Do you want me to play the intro music? Oh, yeah, yeah, play the intro music. Okay. <laughs> Warm me up here. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Double Cuzzies, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life. Double Cousins. It's like if Jonah Hill and Beanie Fieldstein <laughs> married Pauline and Timothy Chalamet Ooh. and had kids. So yeah, that's us. That's, that's exactly us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Kalia. And this and- is Emily. <laughs> Maybe we need to re-record that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good example. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave this in brother, there. Sister, brother, sister. Yeah, it's hard to find brother, sisters, but not to say that any of them are heterosexual or cisgender, so difficult yeah. To, yeah. to do the pairings. But it's all hypothetical. For it's all hypothetical in our brains anyways, so. So this episode... We're going to talk about a question that has kind of been looming and has a different weight on us now that we're adults and still figuring stuff out as adults. That question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? It hits differently because, you know, career-wise, life-wise, priorities have changed. I know Emily is seeing it differently because she has children now. And we've just kind of been chatting lately about how that question is, one, really weird, and two, can be kind of harmful, especially for young children. So we're going to get into it and tell you a little bit about our thoughts about it and how it relates to us and how we are rethinking that question as well. I think to kick it off, we could describe what we air quote do how do you how, how do you make a living Kalia yeah how in, do you make broad a strokes. living yes when we get asked that question I think typically for anybody that's what the person is expecting as an answer what do you do for work what do you do for a living to answer it in the most basic sense I'm just going to keep it kind of vague I'm in communications. I work for a retailer doing external communications. It's a pretty well-known name brand that is understandable, pretty straightforward. I feel like that has been easy for people to understand in conversation. It's easy for our family to digest and share with their peers when people ask how I'm doing too. I think that's another part of this conversation. I mean, that answers the question in the most basic sense, but I'm starting to think about that a bit differently now as I rethink about my priorities generally in life and what I want out of a career. So Emily, would you like to describe a little bit about what you do? Sure. I will try and also keep it kind of vague because I think, like we said in our intro episode, we are not planning on making any money off of this podcast. And so I still do very much need the job that I have. (laughs) So unless our growing fan base wants to throw a lot of money at us to just do this full time, we won't get into too much of the details, but... So I work in supply chain management, strategy, and operations. I've been doing this for over a decade at this point. I went to school for this, actually, and I work at a very large, a pretty recognizable tech company. And before this, I worked for another 
pretty large, recognizable tech company. And then before that, I worked for a pretty large, recognizable food company. So there is a trend, yes. As Kaylee alluded to earlier, my, my career has also followed the trend of it's very digestible for parents and older relatives to understand at least where I work, if not what I actually do at those companies. Uh, and so I think similar to going to a good school and being able to brag about your kids going to a good school, it's sort of that same mentality of, oh, well, I can say that people know where she works and it's a well-respected company. And so I think that comes with a lot of clout too. And so I also want to like make a comment of like, you know, we talk about, the importance of parents and grandparents being able to easily tell other people, quote unquote, how you're doing by saying Mm -hmm. where you work and what your job title is. And And like what kind of relationship. And if available, how much money you make, because that's, that's what they really care about. I think if, if a parent could be like, oh, you don't, you will have no idea what they do or where they work, but they make a shit ton of money. They'd be like, okay, (laughs) like, I'll just say that. I'll just say, oh, they're rich. You know, and that and that is also acceptable. But I don't think it would ever be like, oh, you won't know where they work. They don't really work at just one company. They don't really work for a company, but they're very fulfilled. Like yeah. that would never happen. And no. I think that when I when I think about yeah. the like grapevine of like Asian aunties and uncles and grandparents and parents, like this is social media before social media existed, right? Of just like I'm only going to put out the flashy, polished versions of my life and my kids' lives and only talk about those things. I'm not going to talk about like, oh yeah, my son is a surgeon and he's fucking miserable and in terrible, crushing debt. (laughs) Like nobody's going to say that and nobody's going to push that shit on Facebook. So it's like social media doesn't really plays into that that behavior yeah, only the sparkly parts of life you're saying this and i'm thinking like god damn our cousin has found the ultimate freedom like i have no idea what the is, fuck he does what where he doing. is i just know that he has, has enough money to do whatever the fuck he wants and our family is like it's so weird but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> i want that it's like younger cuz teach me your ways <laughs> and i think maybe part of it is do you think that he cares that we're talking about him right now or that when his parents describe or when his aunties and uncles describe what he does that they can't describe what he does he doesn't give a shit doesn't give a fuck and so it's like if we just stop caring about how other people talk about us we can be so free (laughs) if we just disassociate from everything that makes us ourselves (laughs) then we could be truly happy (laughs) but i truly think there's a way to be informed by both sides I don't know. I'm working on that. What I want out of my life, and that's not just what I do professionally, because there's so many other things that define a person that can fulfill you, that should fulfill you outside of a career. So putting thought and framework into that is just as important, if not more important, than being in a career and a job that you enjoy. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe for myself up until recently, and probably a lot of people up until the pandemic, it was much easier and always just a, a way of, of coping. I would just compartmentalize it, right? It's mm-hmm. work and it's life. And I think the pandemic really shook up a lot of that of, mm-hmm. no, it's this is your life. In total, this is your life. And so to be a lot more aware and active 
in controlling how much of your life your work plays into it uh, and mm-hmm. how much time you spend doing that. And, and so I think it's not work-life balance. It's just, this is life. <laughs> and so yeah. it's, how are you going to prioritize all the things that you need to get done? Your job being a major part of that. Mm-hmm. And how is, how is your job serving you financially, but also in self-development, if that's something that is a priority at that time? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this question mostly in relation to work so far. So a main point of this topic and why we want to talk about it being how we want to rethink this question, Emily, just going back to the early question that we we're asked when we were kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Trying to think of how I would answer that when I was asked as a child. I think the only career that I knew of or that I could vocalize at the time was like, I wanted to be a baker because I liked baking. Mm-hmm. And then I started learning more about the realities of like, oh my God, you got to get up at what time? Because the bread's <laughs> got to be ready by what time? And I'm not a morning like person. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. And so I do have a business idea that I think solves that would meet my passion for baking and solves my problem of not being a morning person. And I think there's a market for it. But at the time as a child, I didn't think that way. I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. well, it's a lot of work and I that would be tiring. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to mm-hmm. pursue that. And then I think because our grandma was an artist and an art teacher, and I grew up doing a lot of art, I also thought at one point, like, oh, I want to be an artist. But then immediately, somehow this had already crept into my brain of, well, how am I going to support myself? And I don't know, Mm. like, at what age did I start thinking in that way? And why did I start thinking in that way? Grandma was an artist, but she always supported herself or was always, like, teaching art. Or she was a working artist. Something with, yeah, yeah, working artist. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know where this concept came to be in my head, but like there was always this goal of, well, I know that I want to be financially independent from my parents mm-hmm. as an adult. And it was not of like, oh, I want to run away, do break free mm-hmm. from the family. But it was like, well, I don't want to be a burden on them. And so... It was probably somebody in our family saying, artists don't make money, Emily. I'm sure. I'm sure it was some sort of like offhand comment. And that really scarred me. And here I am. (laughs) So I think, yeah, that's why we're talking about this question. Because it's so loaded. And I think we don't realize how loaded it is. Especially when we ask young children. Because it starts to affect the way that they think about their identity and their interests of, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, well, the number of jobs that I know of probably include fire truck, mailman, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) like we don't have the language or we don't have the range of understanding of the types of jobs that exist out there. And that's not to say that just because a job doesn't exist out there, that it, it shouldn't or that you can't make a living from doing that. And so I think it's more rethinking of what are the things that interest me and what are the things that I like doing? And then what kind of roles meet a lot of those needs or making it for yourself? Yeah. Asking kids that question, even when they're a bit older to have more context to answer it, the question is still such a big problem because what do you want to be when you grow up? implies that when you're in this process of growing up, it's all about being a certain thing. And typically a kid will answer that with 
some type of professional career, like you said, like policeman, fire person, whatever. That's that's going to be the clearest answer to them. So the continuously asking that question reinforces the thought that, you know, when I grow up, this is the type of thing I have to pursue. Listening to you explain it too, you even reframe the question slightly of when you're in the process of growing up, Really, the way that the question is usually asked is, what do you want to be when you grow up? As if grow up is an end state for something, as mm-hmm. opposed to a continued process. And so it's not like, oh, okay, now we have reached adulthood. What age is that exactly? And mm-hmm. what are the markers that says, oh, you have reached adulthood now, now entering adulthood. And it's like, you have grown up. Then immediately it's like, oh, the expectation is you have all this shit figured out. But what you come to find the longer that you're alive is nobody has this shit figured out. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we're all just fucking imposters pretending like we know what we want to do. Or I think on the flip side of that, too, you figure out and pursue what you want to, air quote, be. And then the process ends there and you just kind of are stuck with that your whole life, which doesn't give you the space to explore other things that you might be interested in learning other things that you could apply to work or life or family or whatever and you're just kind of stuck in that state of being this one thing that you pursued and also that may affect you mentally and not put you in a a mindset where you can grow and continue to learn and continue to be whatever the fuck you want to be throughout your whole life. That reminds me of this parenting technique that I had read about where you're not supposed to say that a child is something as a fact. You're supposed to describe either the outcome or the behavior because even if it's a positive thing, you're not supposed to say like, you're so smart or you're bad or you're mean because the child starts to define themselves by that. Mm, And so then even so then even saying something like you're so smart can be a negative thing later in life where it's like, why don't I understand this? Or why is this hard for me? I'm smart. I'm supposed to be smart. And so I think it puts this pressure that we don't intend because it starts to define them that way. And so I think the job titles and the company titles do the same kind of thing because as opposed to letting our personality traits or our skills define us, we are then letting our job titles define us and we inherently then give our employers so much power over how we Mm -hmm. value ourselves yeah you put yourself in this box right and so then I think it's like we tie our own happiness and our own fulfillment into how well we think we're doing within that company Mm -hmm. even when how good we are at our jobs is not the only only factor in how well we do at a company because we have to Mm -hmm. work with other people but I think until we actually start reflecting on not just what we're bad at or what we want to improve on but like what excites Mm us it's a better use of our time and energy to focus on things that really bring us alive as opposed to totally drain us and stress us out and I think what I'm going through now too is like I don't have I have ideas around you know what excites me what I'm interested in what I could be good at but there's also so many ways that you could you could just go about some learning something or starting to learn something you have a little bit of interest in and see where it takes you but as an adult It's very rare that you have that time and freedom to invest in yourself in that way. So I think for me, a big gap or a big barrier here is like knowing what I'm interested in and thinking there should be an easy way to be that, like Mm -hmm. an easy apparent solution Mm -hmm. 
maybe the maybe I'm just like fucking lazy or something. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you're just like you're just standing in your own way, Kalia. Just get your shit together, and yeah. you could have everything like, you want. Just right in front of me. No, yeah. but it's like it's all it's all work, and it's it's weird and scary and interesting to think about when I have a a good job, but I'm just not all the parts that I want from it are there. So I'm like, what else is there? How do I find this for myself? How do I help myself? And breaking out of that, that box of being one thing into there's so much potential for me to be other things, multiple things and, and be a more dynamic person, apply these things in different ways and grow at this age and decades on too, because there's just so much out there. There's so many opportunities. So it's just like you need to invest that time and effort into yourself. Well, I think it's a good time for a break. And so as mentioned, listeners, now we are going to play for you a fake ad, which has no affiliation to any companies, real or fictional, that might be represented. They have nothing to do with us. They're not paying us any money. We are not getting anything from them. Sometimes they don't even exist. So enjoy. As a mom of two young children, I'm always on the go, and it can be hard to get the self-care that I need. Between early mornings and constant cases of sniffles, I often feel run down and like my hair and skin just aren't at their best. When that happens, I turn to one of my favorite products, fucking water. With just one glass of fucking water, I can already feel my body rejuvenating. By the time I've crushed three doses, the pounding in my head starts to subside, and I'll wonder why I don't do this every day. With great flavors like tap, plastic, leftover, fancy, and cloudy. You'll never run out of ways to enjoy some fucking water as part of your diet. You can find some fucking water at any grocery store or from the faucets in your home, unless you live in one of the municipalities in this country with aging infrastructure and a complete disregard for the health and safety of their residents. I mean, we're the richest country in the world and some people can't even drink the fucking water out of their homes without the fear of getting cancer because their government has sold them down the river. A river so polluted with lead and forever chemicals and then the same companies responsible for destroying our water sources sell back those water sources to us in tiny plastic bottles. The very plastic bottles also contributing to the acceleration of the death of this planet. So try some fucking water today and see the results for yourself. Use the code DUBCUS at checkout to receive an error message that promo does not exist. The calm music in the background. Right. I think that's the that's the theme for my uh, commercials, right? That's my my style. <laughs> is In spiral commercials. Is soothing spirals. <laughs> it's oh like uh, I'm, I'm practiced in like meditation and also just like mental spirals all at the same time. <laughs> Sums up the podcast as well. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Welcome back from that ad break. I hope you enjoyed that. And so for the rest of our episode, what do you want to be when you grow up, Kaylee? <laughs> what, what do you value now? Reading my notes. I'm like, is this really what's important to me? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm putting in the work to figure that out because my whole framing around that question has changed in the past couple months actually and and now it's just you know putting in the work and time to discover that for myself so I'm in a really fortunate place where a paycheck or a certain salary is not a huge driver for me right now and uh, I have a lot of freedom that affords that you know I don't have kids I don't have a lot of debt so 
I don't have any debt actually, which is crazy. Um, so there's not those things that I'm bound to and have to keep working to support. So I think that gives me a little bit of freedom in thinking about, you know, what I want to do or what I'm interested in, how to apply that to a career. But right now, I feel like I want to find a career where a lot of my work has always been around food, like access to food, healthy food, education around food, even food as entertainment, like working with a lot of restaurants and food entrepreneurs. So I kind of keep going to that, but I've been thinking about it in a in a bigger sense. Like, you know, I love working with food because it's something that everybody can relate to. And in a family like ours, it, events and happy occasions always revolve around food, but thinking about it as an essential need of people. And I think lately through my work and then just through like we've renovated this house the past year. It's been a huge project and I really see how lucky I am to live in a space that's safe, that's secure, that's beautiful. But I know that's something that there are so many people who they don't have access to even a simple roof over their head. So now I'm thinking more and more, like I'm so fortunate to have these things, but what are the essential needs of people in general that are not being met? Like, how can I help people in need access these things or access resources around clean water, fucking water, (laughs) food, shelter, and resources and education? So, I mean, that's kind of just what's at the top of my head right now and what's just churning important to me when I do change my work, what I would want it to be around. And then just going back to the money thing, I don't think I want to be in a position where I'm just making people who are filthy rich even filthier. more rich. Even filthier. Like, huh? Even filthier. Filthier. Yeah, yeah. even <laughs> filthier. <laughs> and even just like, you know, being on a payroll and that's so unequal to executives and C-suite earners, like that just puts a bad taste in my, my mouth. What? Is that the saying? <laughs> gives me a bad feeling that so just I don't want to do bad <laughs> yeah yeah that just tastes bad yeah, I think a bad it leaves taste... a bad taste in my mouth it is a saying yeah it's a weird saying that tastes <laughs> filthy that's so... weird <laughs> that's not it <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's an interesting question and something that I'm actively figuring out and thinking about for myself but I know that It's important for me to determine that and apply that to whatever I do next, whether it be work or just a hobby I pursue or whatever, just to give meaning around it and structure around it. Because I I feel like I could go out and work in communications for another company and it would be a job, it would be stable, there would be a paycheck, but I'm not going to be getting what I want to get out of it. And another thing too is I value just a work-life balance and want to have dedicated time to do the things that I love and even just like quiet time, not have to be on the clock every single second of the day. But also when I am working eight, nine hours a day, whatever it is, to be really fulfilled by that and to be working towards something that I believe in. So I think that last bit, just like something that I believe in is a big driver for me. And I've been lucky to work with companies and organizations where the end product or the experience is something that I believe in and is something that I think is interesting and important. But now it's just like, I want to kind of level that up because just there's just more to discover and more to learn out there. So I'm working on that. TBD. 
TBD. Yeah. What do so, I want to be when I grow up? TBD. TBD. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have some ideas, but still yeah. figuring it out. And I think that's a lot of this process is just like being okay with figuring it out. Yeah. Because that's, that's part of it. Being really uncomfortable. Being okay with being really uncomfortable and like taking a real hard look about mm-hmm. what we like and why we like those things or why yeah. we don't like certain things. Yeah. Just yeah. breaking out of that complacency cycle. So that's where I'm at. Ask me again in a few months and it may be completely different, but. We will. Let's, let's do that. We'll do a, a check-in of like, all yeah. right, one quarter has passed. Now what do you yeah. want to be when you grow up? Quarterly review. Quarterly reviews of growing up. <laughs> We're going to have a quarterly adulting review. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, yes. I mean, what, I, I think that makes total sense though. Yeah. What What's important to you? these days yeah you know I think because I'm married and I have two young kids there is always a part of me that's like okay I need the financial stability and I need to be Mm -hmm. making sure that I'm setting my kids up for success and security but then I also reflect on like to what extent because as an adult like I'm not expecting my parents to support me or to have set me up past a certain point or whatever and I'm super grateful for the things that they did give me because I see me being able to to be more financially successful on my own because I had those things taken care of as a child, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, at least I need to understand level of comfort and security that I want to provide for my family. And then once that's met, then it's kind of like, okay, well, if I'm not chasing the dollar, then, you know, I think the things that really drive me or that I found that I find the most enjoyment from work or just like from any encounter is like, I really enjoy helping other people be as successful as they can be. Mm-hmm. And I think I realized that when I became a people manager, my job now is to make sure that you transcend my capabilities. Mm. And I think that it's kind of like how I parent also of like, I don't want my kids to be mini me's. And so mm-hmm. I'd done that directly when I was managing people. And now I'm trying to do it more indirectly, but on a larger scale by influencing the culture of an organization, Mm -hmm. which is very difficult to do virtually. But I think it affords us a unique opportunity of thinking, how do you build a new culture? Mm -hmm. Given Mm -hmm. that work is going to be hybrid, you know, at most, they're not going to have everybody in the office all the time. And so I I think that what also drives me is thinking about the future trends and and understanding, like, how do we respond to those things? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think the role that I'm in is actually a really good fit. And I think that it has allowed me to see that I actually like those things. But part about supply chain that I really like is understanding how things are connected. Mm -hmm. Understanding how a tsunami in one part of the world will have all of these ripple effects of like, well, now I can't get a car, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. why is that? And so I think being able to explain those things for myself, like in a very tactical operational way, also helps me put that sort of vision to the non-tangible things in life of like Mm -hmm. of connecting things back to like oh okay well the reason why I responded to this was because of this experience that I had you know and and so I think the supply chain of your emotional chain, yeah or like as Brene Brown I guess would say the atlas of the heart it's the map (laughs) yeah it's the map of your heart and it's like it is it's kind of charting like okay what is the supply chain of how did I arrive at this emotional reaction to something oh my god okay so now that you're saying that i'm like oh maybe it makes it easier to chart my emotions if i think about it in terms of a supply chain 
It's all going to come together for it you. It is. It's going to come together. After 10 p.m. today. My, my book coming out in the next year will be called Supply Chain of the Mind. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you heard it here first. I'm calling it. That will be one of my goals. That will be one of my career goals will be to write the book, The Supply Chain of My Mind. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to write that book. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, as far as things that, like, I actually value, I, it's it's being able to spend time with my family and not being so consumed with work that I'm not present in their lives, especially as they're mm. super little now and, like, they're not going to be this, this little for long at all. And so really fully enjoying that part. And then I think it's helping them and helping others ask the questions of themselves and, and sort of think of the world differently to really find a a deeper level of either satisfaction or peace with their choices, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I think that it's like, as long as people are, I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to say this over and over again. I think as long as people are conscious about the decisions that they're making, they should feel more satisfied with those decisions, Mm -hmm. even if it's the same decisions that they would be making unconsciously, but at least understanding Mm -hmm. why you do that. Right. And so I think helping as many, yeah, helping as many people as I can directly or indirectly sort of navigate that to manage the supply chains of their minds uh or the atlas of their hearts I mean that will be that's my that will be my life's work and <laughs> and the pot this podcast I guess is the start of it <laughs> it's helping you it is find the helping, atlas of your heart it is helping me you manage the supply the chain of my mind yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, it might be a little messy and hard to edit at this no, point but it's really messy every little step that reminds me though of like when we think about the things that we like to do as kids I didn't remember this until we started until I started editing I think the, the first episode where it was like oh yeah I used to do a lot of this stuff in high school by choice like it mm-hmm. was like I would get assigned a project and I think it was Sort of the advent of like the the personal camcorder, like the very small camcorders, mm. uh, was big, and so it was like, well, why would I stress out about doing this presentation live when can I just do a video version of it? And they're like, yeah, sure. And so then I would do that, and I just edit it beforehand, and it was like, great day of, just roll tape, you know. And <laughs> what kind of presentations? Um, well, like let's say that it would have to be like a. There was one where you'd have to do a report on uh, Greek mythology or something like that, oh, and it yeah. was like instead of giving you a report, why don't we give you a reenactment of this story? <laughs> and so then we would stage little productions and stuff, and uh, and I totally forgot that that was something that I really liked doing. And then I all had all these flashes in my head of like, oh my God, I was the news anchor for my high school. <laughs> like, like I like delivered you... the I delivered the daily weekly announcements on on our video system. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like not, wow. not an introvert. <laughs> not an introvert. And I was just like, whoa, I totally forgot that I did those things. And and it was like that never even came to mind when it was like, oh, what am I gonna go to college for? Broadcasting, mm-hmm. like me no, no, supply chain. Declared. Yeah. Supply chain management <laughs> declared before I started undergrad, like got early admission to business school for no reason. Like before you even fully knew what it was. <laughs> fully. I didn't know what it was at all. I think I knew one relative who worked in supply chain management <laughs> and was like, they're successful. It's got a hundred percent job placement. The it's rest of the family seems happy about where they sure. are. <laughs> let's let's do that. Supply chain management. Sounds good. Here we go. And that was in yeah. 2005. So shit, yeah. man. 17 years later. Here we go. 
Yeah. Yeah. Half my life. You can tap into that still. There's still time though. Yeah. It's going to help me though to manage the supply chain of my mind. So (laughs) I do think though, like you relate that, that thought process back to your career. And it is really cool that both of us are, you know, we have these professions that we're pretty good at that can change the way we think about ourselves and how we relate to other people. Like I'm very much the same in communications and PR. It's always like, what is the final output? What is the story? How do you share a complex news event or situation that's relatable to other people? Like, how do you walk them there slow? And it's kind of funny because it comes second nature to me. And I think like, oh, this is just a skill everybody has, you know, just like speaking and be able to being be able to organize your thoughts and, in a yeah. certain way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at public speaking, though. And podcasting to be determined my goal <laughs> but it's like this you yeah just improve. like a thought process that you carry out through everything else and it's helpful in other aspects of life too yeah yeah and I think it's the fact that we're very aware of what our skills actually are and how those mm-hmm. are applicable to other things whereas like mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of people where it's like you're very good at your job but you're very good at that job I've gotten a lot of questions from people who are looking to to move into tech and they're like, I'm not in tech now. Is it impossible to get into tech? And uh, I'm like, no, it's not impossible. But you need to look at your skills as opposed to mm-hmm. your experience so far, your background so far. And you need to look at how you apply those skills and how you learn the rest. Because there's mm-hmm. for sure always going to be part of a job that you have to learn, part of an industry that you have to learn. Yeah. So, so yeah, I yeah, think it's, that's it's, it's like taking the opportunities that we've had for sure and really making the best out of them because we've, we have been mm-hmm. so lucky in, in a lot of ways. But then, as Billy Zane says, you make your own luck, right? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Zane from the Titanic. Oh, you make I've only your own seen luck. bits and pieces of that movie. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> Billy's a not so lucky. Oh, actually, let me recall. No, actually, pretty lucky in that movie. Spoiler alert. Is he one of the... Uh, I think the... he dresses up as a woman and and sneaks onto a boat or something like that. No, um... he doesn't dress up like a woman, I think, but I think he sneaks <laughs> on the boat or something like that and survives, so... Because the rich always prevail. Found his own luck. Yeah, that was the name of the evacuation boat that he got on, was luck. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... All right. What are we going to talk about now? Um... <laughs> Nice yawn. Oh, let's do let's do constructive compliments. Oh yeah, and then we'll close it out. Yeah. Okay, so listeners, we're gonna do this section now that we're calling constructive compliments, which for the office fans out there, that will be a reference that you might get. But constructive compliments being that I think we we spend a lot of time being really hard on ourselves, and we don't always see ourselves the way that others see us. And especially as Asians, we have a very hard time taking a compliment. We just kind of write it off as like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not hot shit, you know, but everybody needs a hype man or woman. Or for me, it's like, thanks for the compliment, but wait, why do you really feel that way? Right. What is your ulterior motive? (laughs) So I think maybe it's a good time now to allude to one of our favorite podcasts, Feeling Asian, because I think that this kind of came out from that. One of the hosts on that really put it eloquently of to think about uh, a compliment as somebody giving you a gift, right? And so when I give somebody a gift... I'm excited for them to open it, and I hope that they enjoy it. And if I was to give somebody a gift and they would just throw it away, that would be harmful to me. Like, that would hurt my feelings. And by not accepting somebody's compliment, we are doing the same thing of I'm rejecting your 
your feedback, basically, of just like, no, that's not true. And so trying to get better at accepting compliments and also giving compliments. And so I think uh, this will be an interesting and probably emotional section because <laughs> it. it's like no don't talk nice things about me it's weird and uncomfortable so do you have do you have something <laughs> let me give me a minute i can't think of anything no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right okay you want to start or do you want me to start i can start okay okay so One of the things that I have noticed about you in particular, as opposed to others, is that you are extremely observant. And I think you have always been this way, even as a child. Part of that is because you are also extremely present in a moment. The way that I see how observant you are is that you are one of the funniest people ever. And (laughs) so these are like, oh, this is like three compliments all tied into one. (laughs) Because I think as a result of being so observant and present in the moment, you are able to very quickly make a joke about something that is happening or to make a very witty comment about something. And so I think that that is a reflection on the fact that you are seeing what's happening and that you are processing it at a rate of you're not only seeing what's happening, but you're ready to like, now I'm going to make a fucking joke about it. You know, especially out of the two of us, you are the quieter of the cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am first, <laughs> listeners couldn't tell, I am the louder of the cousins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I think that really quiet humor is something that I really respect. Of like, mm. you could be sitting in a room and something could be happening and nobody sees what the fuck is going on. And you're just there making a side comment to yourself or me. You're not making a show out of it. You're just kind of noting it. It's <laughs> and just I, the way, yeah. Yeah. It's the way. And I, I feel like that mostly shows up in family situations. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but I never thought about it this way. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that you're just very aware of the world around you. Um, more so than a lot of people. And I'm so excited as we sort of go on this continued journey of like, okay, taking that awareness and picking it apart and using it to improve ourselves. So I'm excited to do that with you. Thank you. You're welcome. That's that's so kind. Wow. I can play a gong noise now. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. Like, I don't know how to react. Right? You just sit in the compliment. Just sit in the yeah, compliment. Like, that was really nice. Embrace it as a truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you know, how other people view you and in such a positive manner and uncomfortable. Like, I clearly do not know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that means a lot. That's why I'm like, I'll go first. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Emily. You're that welcome, Kalia. That was very nice to hear. Um, my compliment for you this week is we... I saw you during the holidays and I know that was a crazy time getting the whole family here and organizing the lives of two little kids and a long road trip and you did such a good job like every time I saw those kids they were so happy and I think that just speaks to how you handle things as a parent at home in general. They're such interesting children. They're so small. They're only one and three years old but I can just tell they have a dynamic and really supportive home life. And there was little moments where I saw you and Matt kind of deal with them having tiny fits and little episodes. And it was just like, it was so cool to see. And it's been so interesting because you're my double cousin and we grew up together and we've known each other since childhood. So seeing you in this parent role is just 
so impressive. It's so apparent that you're putting a lot of work into it and it's really showing in the way the kids are. So I'm proud of you for that. And I'm, I'm just amazed every time I am able to experience that with family and with you and just feel very fortunate to be an auntie to those little kids. Well, thank you, Kalia. I am crying. Uh, <laughs> the best kids. Uh, well, thank I'm you. like sweaty from, I, from the, <laughs> from the discomfort. Of like, yeah, it's like discomfort in like praising somebody and then discomfort in accepting praise for sure. Uh, no, I mean, thank you so much for that. I think, you know, being a parent is sometimes a thankless and invisible job. And so to have somebody see it and to recognize mm-hmm. it and appreciate it is, is, mm-hmm. is a lot. It's so. been really cool to be able to see it. And I I'm, I'm feel very fortunate to be a part of your life in that way and a part of their life too. And yeah, yeah. I love auntie life. Yeah, <laughs> you are the best auntie for sure. Auntie KJ. All right. Well, I think that wraps it for our rambling today. Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies, where we're cousins and friends, but most importantly, we're family. Bye. Bye. <laughs>